for tuning in to the Undercuts review episode of the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix at Imola with your hosts Jason, Martin, and Nick. We hope you enjoy it. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. By being a racing driver means you are racing with other people. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. What did you guys think coming into the race? What were your expectations? Well, sprint race weekend, so I'm still getting used to that format. Um, you know, you've got to try and watch a bit of qualifying in between meetings on a Friday lunchtime. But it's it's good. It makes makes Friday mean something. It means that the guys who have got tickets to the to the Saturday have a race to watch, not just a practice and a qualifying. And it's interesting. I'm I'm still yet to be convinced on on the merit of the race itself and how much the guys push. I think obviously season on season last year the points were only for the first three. This year points go all, all the way down to eighth, so a little bit more to play for. And I think it meant for a little bit more spiciness up front. So I think that paid off a little bit. So. I think so far so good on on this one. For the teams, I don't, I'm not quite sure how they're handling these sprint week, race weekends. With only the one practice before you can't really work on the cars anymore after qualifying, I don't think they're necessarily risking making any major changes or upgrades to the car. So as far as expectations, maybe more of the same from previous races. But I guess we'll see if it becomes the norm. I'm I'm kind of with Nick on this one. I'm not totally convinced by the weekend. I'm so ingrained in qualifying on, on Saturday, I, I can't get my head around it, but it could be the future of the sport. We'll see. We get to qualifying, and there had been there's been weather all weekend long. Um, for qualifying, there happened to be five red flags in the three sessions. I have not seen anything like that in my short time watching F1. It was it was crazy. Um, it ruined a bunch of laps. Um, it made the timing super interesting for the sprint race. Martin, have you seen any any incidents like that? I mean, it, it was a bit nuts. I mean, yeah, they just had ha- had to red flag every time a, a car span out. I and mean, when you get weather like that, cars go off the track. And when they're off the track with such a short amount of time, you got a red flag. But it hurt some people. It helped some people. It mixed things up, which is always interesting as a long-time watcher of F1. I don't know if you agree, Nick, but... Anytime there's rain, your ears prick up, you you expect the unexpected, and yeah, five red flags, absolutely not expected. Yeah, red flags have sort of played quite a bit of a role in qualifying so far this season. Obviously, just ask Carlos Sainz last time out. But, you know, and, and, I, and I said I didn't want to jump ahead too far to the race when we're only talking about qualifying. I'd totally forgotten that Lando put it on third um, yeah, before calling out the final red flag that caused, you know, that caused an end to proceedings. So I think that Magnussen, I'm sure, would be very happy. I'm sure he'd rather that it was not a sprint re- weekend, similarly for uh, for Lando. But all in all, an interesting quali. Yeah, I mean, K-Mac had his, his and Haas's top ever qualifying position. He put in a flyer. And, of course, Mercedes, as we've been saying pretty much every week, and my call of saying that they were going to have some crazy upgrade for this weekend was totally off base. Um, but they barely even made it out of Q1 and were awful in Q2. So I'm not saying anything about Mercedes for a while until they prove to me that they have something better. But we'll see. 
Continue the conversation on pine-sports.com. That's P-I-N-E-sports.com and the Pine Sports Discord, which you can find linked on the website. And join us in a one-of-a-kind fantasy Formula One contest at coopsf1.com. That's C-O-O-P-S-F number one dot com, where you can put your theories to the test. Going into the sprint race, there was more more weather. What are they, Martin? What are you? What are you fans called of, of Ferrari Tifosi? The Tifosi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Tifosi were were great. I mean, Un- unbelievable. I, say, I mean, it's not completely unique, but when you've got you know such a, a, a dominant set of fans at one race. You don't always hear the fans um, with this, you know, the the loudness of the cars and everything else coming through your TV. But it was great to hear them cheering on their guys. You know, every move, whether it was pro Ferrari or you know Ferrari dropping back, you could hear them reacting. Uh, that that was awesome. Although, who I don't know if I want to be the guy in the stands right next to the bloke who brought four, four you know red smoke bombs to let <laughs> off. You know, every time they go by, I thought there was pay. a rule against those at this point. <laughs> I thought the drivers were complaining about those things. Maybe. I mean, you get plenty of orange ones in, yeah. you know, in Zanzibar or whatever yeah. it's called. So uh, they're prob- people smuggle them in no matter what. But it was great to see them there. The Tifosi, that is. I'm not not so much the smoke pot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they had something to let them off for and something to cheer about at the start of the, of the yeah. race, right? At the start of the sprint race. Well, great start from Leclerc. Yeah, it was great for Ferrari. Getting off the line. And he looked like he was pulling away fast at the start. And then, you know, as we expected, Gasly crashing into Joe, Joe spinning off the track and causing a safety car on, I think it was lap one, maybe lap two, but very early on in the race. Um, and Joe spun out and Gasly broke his wing and had to had to go to the back of the grid. And that's how it started. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we should have expected that. Yeah. And I think, I think that Joe could feel a little hard done to because it was it was just one of those racing incidents i think you know yeah. they were all trying to get through the corner and there just wasn't enough room for everyone to get through and he was the odd man out and he got punted around and that was it he was out of the race but you know hard luck um i don't think he was like too mad about it i think they both agreed that it was a racing incident at the end like you said they moved forward um it, but that meant that joe had to start from the pit lane for for the feature race lap five they they start the race again and charles looks like he's dominating again and he's just pushing forward danny had like a great pass on on kevin magnuson uh moving up into fifth right behind behind lando so it was looking like uh mclaren was doing was doing really well early on and maybe they were going to be able to have a, a great weekend yeah yeah i think that it was when you look at how things have finally panned out you know you looked at the in the warm weather of Saturday, the warmer weather and the higher track temperatures, Ferrari were pretty unstoppable. In the more changeable and damper and slightly slipperier and colder conditions, the Red Bull was clearly the class of the field. So you can just really see how conditions, even you know, with the same setup on the same track on the same weekend, just those small little differences are really what are the difference between winning and coming not in the top two or uh, <laughs> you keep wanting to jump ahead without, run, without <laughs> running ahead but um 
yeah, it's, you know, on Saturday, the Ferrari in those conditions was the car to beat uh, until uh, Verstappen did finally get around. <laughs> Bit of a Moriism there. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> at the start of the race, you know, it was very much is very much Ferrari's, you know, Ferrari's pace that that dictated the, the opening part. Yeah, and science looked really good too, um, because he really had a tough qualifying. He ended up in ninth place, um, coming out of qualifying, but he was able to move up and moved all the way up into fifth place, I think. So Ferrari, mm-hmm. Ferrari looked really, really fast. Charles looked in control until really towards the end of the sprint race, like lap 19, like you said, Nick, um, where Max got within a second and was able to get DRS and be able to pass him on the last, last lap or second last lap. Really, the the big winner, um, I would say, was Science moved up six spots by the end of the by the end of the sprint race, ninth to fourth. That was crazy. I nobody else was even really close. Checo moved up four spots, and Yuki mo- moved up four spots. Yuki got up into twelfth, and Checo got up into seventh. Um, but but Science really really showed his class, um, and not what we saw the past couple couple weeks. It was more like what we saw last year with him and for at Ferrari. And then um, for the losers, I mean, Joe was was oh, obviously, yeah, obviously, yeah, and he was a loser. But like, I think, like we said, not really of his own fault. So we finished the sprint race. Max ended up in first. Charles in second. Checo in no. Checo wasn't in third. Who was in third for the end of the sprint race? Yeah, it was Checo. It was Checo. Yeah, it was Checo. Yeah, and then Carlos and Lando. We're going into the feature race. It was raining all morning long. It was looking like it was going to be a very wet start. Um, and then it stopped raining like 30 minutes before the race started, Martin. 20 minutes before the race started, it was pretty close. Yeah. I mean, again, rain, you're, you're excited to see what the drivers can do. Um, you know, some guys have a reputation for being fast in the wet, you know, Hamilton being um, one of the main guys there. Maybe some of these other guys, we haven't seen them in the wet that much to see what they could do. Obviously, some of the rookie, uh, not rookie drivers, but the guys with less experience yeah. to, to see how it goes. Also, the fact that rain had effectively stopped, the track was drying, dry in certain areas, not in others, but they were forecasting maybe more rain. Made it very interesting, sort of tactically. Obviously, they all had to start on the inters because of the, the wetness, but it's always a, a gamble once that crossover point, if, if the rain holds off to, to switch. But definitely very interesting to, to start the race that way. So we get to the start of the race, and Red Bull has an incredible start. Charles has a really bad start. Nick, what did you think of this of the start of the race up at the front? Yeah, obviously the the issues that Max had off the start the day before, he had no such issue. To- on the on the main race and Charles went backwards not just behind the two Red Bulls but behind the McLaren of Lando as well then you know a little bit going on behind but I think that the the start that the Red Bulls had was yeah it we it it put them up the field but then you know things started happening a little further back right it didn't take long it was what after turn two of the race um and then Danny crashes into the side of science and science has another race in the first two laps and he's stuck in the gravel Martin what are you thinking about about your Ferraris at this point in the race <laughs> early on science again uh, 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 into the gravel yeah I mean you heard the, the crowd reaction right as we said unlucky for science 
Danny's fault, sure, but you know he didn't he didn't get a penalty quite rightly. A bit of a racing incident. There's only so much space. There was no uh, malice or crazy maneuver there. It's just a touch. And these cars sometimes they're on the edge in the wet conditions. There's a lot of energy there, and and off he goes. Just just bad luck. Yeah, Ricardo going off. Yeah, he clipped the inside curb, and that just lost him a little bit of grip. That just pushed him a little wide, and he he tagged Carlos right and. It's as easy as that on the opening lap, especially when it's wet. These things do happen, and it's, like I said, a racing incident. And I don't think that as much as Carlos doesn't want to be sitting in the kitty litter for the second consecutive first lap of a race, in this case, it wasn't his fault. Last time out in Australia, yeah, he messed up. But this one, not ideal, because yeah. I think this was this was a race where he really needed to show what he can do. I think the fact that Charles dropped it at the end um, and kind of took him out of a large points hall means that Carlos does have the race in Miami to really try and impose himself but this was this was the race that really was meaningful for him and he didn't get anything from it Lando was was great he was able to jump up right into third I believe it was in front of Charles um, where he was after qualifying Um, so that was a really great start for him and he's gotten this reputation already early in his career for being good in inclement weather um, and it, it showed today that he, he's able to be comfortable in, in that kind of in this kind of weather. It was pretty impressive. And then another person with a great start, obviously, was George. Did he gain five spots? I think. Yeah, he moved from uh, I think from eleventh to sixth. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really see him too much because he was you know he started so far back, and there was a lot that went on in front of him as Daniel Ricardo and and. Color Science came together. And then Schumacher was in, I think he started in 10th, which was just in front of, front of George. So a lot was happening in front of him. And, you know, if you take the right line and you do the right thing, you obviously you move up a good number of spots. It could quite easily have not gone as well. But he, you know, look, it really paid a part in that. And uh, he, he made his way up the, the grid uh, pretty well. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Schumacher, what, spun out on the on the first chicane again, got onto the slick painted surfaces. I think he tagged Alonso yeah. as he went round. Didn't didn't push Alonso off the track or anything like that. Alonso continued, but damaged his side pod and then ended up putting basically Mick, just un- undid everything that he, he did to get to 10th, to threw it all away immediately. Alonso is uh, is eventually out of the race for that. And then a few laps later, finally, we're back to some racing. Lap five, restart. But it was interesting. Another team that, that looked really good at this point, I did not see this coming either, was Aston Martin. Both of those drivers had moved up five spots in the first lap, I think. Or they were there within a lap of the restart happening. Pretty insane. I I, I did not see that. Vettel seems to have yeah. gotten really comfortable in the car really quickly. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see. Um, they're the the one team that was without any points coming into this this race. You know, and we've seen teams struggle early on in the season, make changes and improve their standing and catch up. Obviously, McLaren being a major one of those coming from their showing in Bahrain. Um, so maybe Aston's finally getting something something right. Who is, isn't isn't Aston the home of our, f- our favorite team principal? So maybe he's sorting things out. Is that Mike Crack? Mr. Crack. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I don't think it's our favorite. Gunter's obviously everyone's favorite. <laughs> okay, oh, well, yeah. but 
<laughs> I can't be our second think. favorite. He's getting something right, which is good. You want to see a competitive race. You don't want to see cars just tooling around at the back, not making any any progress. It's good to see Aston making some steps forward. I didn't see it coming either, but good to see. Yeah, so we get a few more laps down. Charles is eventually able to pass Lando, get back up into the podium positions in the third place. And then a few laps later, we get a nice little battle with George and, and Kevin Magnuson. And then George is finally able to get ahead of him. And then there's like a little train of him, Baltas, and Magnuson kind of battling for, I think, uh, sixth place. That Those tussles with Magnuson were really, that was the highlight of the race for me. Because it wasn't just a DRS pass in either case, right? In, in For George or for, for Bottas. You know, George got him going up to Variente Alta, right? So that's like really not somewhere that anyone expects to pass because you're coming straight from Aqua Minerali right up the hill. And I guess K-Mag just didn't quite get the traction off and George did get a get good, uh, you know, good thrust out of the corner. And there you go, going into into uh, Variente Alta was was brilliant. And I thought, oh, well, that's going to be the move of the race. And then you had Bottas coming out of that that corner and a lap later and then putting a, another move on K-Mag in a place where you don't usually get to see any overtaking at all. For me, that period was the best bit of racing in the whole race and um, it came a little further down the grid. Yeah, that, that was great to watch. All right, so the track is starting to get a lot drier at this point. The commentators are kind of starting to talk about if – they're going to switch over to slicks or not and then eventually danny is the first one to go martin he's the first one to to switch over to slicks and it kind of starts a train yeah i mean immediately when he came out on slicks he was immediately quick um so everybody made the change obviously they were holding on to the intermediates thinking that rain was going to come again it did surprise me a little bit that nobody further down the order went out on slicks usually in a race like this in a wet race, you get somebody out there way too early, sliding all over the place, giving it a go, just rolling the dice. I thought the track was very dry when they when he switched over. I thought the best person that could have taken advantage of it was Hamilton. I thought he was he was out of the points. He was pretty slow. And if he had taken a gamble, maybe it wouldn't have made that much difference in the end. I think he could have moved up a few spots, definitely. But uh, yeah, once, once Danny came in, everybody came in and uh, the race was back on again. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I think you're, you're right with Hamilton. At this point, he, I don't know where, exactly where he was in the running order at this particular point in time, but he was out of the points. You know, I, I think that you know Mercedes just aren't used to being in that position, having strategy calls to to kind of gamble. They're not they're not in that position because they're usually at the front and they're waiting for other people to react and they cover. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with you. Um, Mercedes are a little slow in that department. You know, eventually everyone did pit because it was getting drier. The rain wasn't coming. And then Lewis pit and Ocon pit. Ocon was released dangerously. Lewis was right there and they happened to tap into each other in the pit lane, which caused Ocon to get a five second penalty, Nick. I mean, did you think that that was a fair penalty in this point? I don't know. I think that was kind of lenient, to be honest with you. The team let him go into oncoming traffic well not oncoming traffic but like into traffic in the pit lane that's a massive no-no and you know if it had been someone other than the experienced hand of lewis hamilton maybe there could have been an accident right there and then in the pit lane you can't have that and i think that there should have been a heftier penalty for the team maybe not for ocon himself because he just pulls out when they tell him to go I think that that was a pretty lenient outcome in that situation. Then also, uh, Charles and Checo kind of had like an overcut 
undercut thing going on here. And Charles almost won that, Martin. He came out in front before Checo, but he was just too fast down that straight and Checo was able to get ahead. Yeah, just Checo, that one lap, he got a bit more heat in his tires. He trusted them trusted them more and was able to, you know, overtake him pretty quickly, right? I think it was almost on the, on the, on, on the Charles's outlap. So close, but, but no cigar there. That was lap 18, 20 where this all happened. And then we're still... 10, 15 laps later, and DRS still has not been turned on. Um, it was really starting to get stagnant. There were a couple passes in the beginning, but Nick, I mean, you must have been shocked that the DRS was not turned on already. At this point, they were on slicks for almost 15 laps. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it was that as many as that, but I know that if you're not on drives, the DRS shouldn't be on. And I think the commentators were, were saying, why is DRS not activated? And they're all still on inters. So... No, I mean, I, I agree. If, if if teams run inters, if there's anyone running on inters, you know, they should they should not have DRS. I was surprised that it took that long uh, to to make the call to switch it on. I think the timing of it was very very influential in terms of Lewis's race in particular. He was just behind Gasly for three four laps before the DRS came on, and they were and Gasly was gaining on Albon. Right. If they'd have switched, if they'd have activated the DRS two, three laps before, I think Lewis would have got past Gasly and then he would have got past Albon and he maybe would have been able to make a run and got some, get some points. But the timing of it was literally the lap that they activated the DRS was the lap that Gasly made up the time onto Albon to get inside his DRS range. And that then meant that he could, you know, Lewis couldn't get past Gasly because he he had the DRS from from Albon. And fair play to Albon. Yeah, he didn't get any points. He was 11th. But he kept the the Mercedes and the um the AlphaTauri behind him when they had DRS and he didn't. You know, that's some good driving right there. That's some good driving and and just, you know, smart racing, keeping his overtake and keeping his you know deploying his charge where needed to stay ahead so good racecraft there good good shout for alex albon in this race yeah albon was definitely one of the guys that i thought was best in this race even though he wasn't towards the top he has a really bad car and was able to to really do some impressive stuff with that the drs still isn't on and max is already over 10 seconds ahead of Checo at this point. And then at lap 36, the DRS is finally turned on and everybody was excited, but it seemed like, you know, Martin, everybody was already too spaced apart. Charles was having trouble getting up. Everybody was like really spread apart. And even the few places where people were close, it was a train and they weren't able to do anything about that. Was it too late? Maybe. I mean, maybe it's just a, a factor of the track too. Um, I mean, you've, you've st- maybe it was still a little bit wet offline. I don't know if that was going be an issue breaking if you're trying to overtake plus maybe we've been spoiled some of these tracks that we've had this year we've had what four drs zones or something like that three or four just one drs zone in in imola i don't know how heavy a braking is at the end of it compared to certainly not some of the hairpins we've seen in previous tracks so i think that was a factor too that it just wasn't quite as effective on this track as others plus with the the, the wet track too breaking offline so all that added up to yeah Unfortunately, a little stagnant. 
I mean, you saw it all over and over again with, like you said, with, with Lewis and Gasly, he was coming up on the wet line and wasn't able to break as far, as far up as Gasly was. And it was really detrimental to him being able to pass. And it was the whole time he just didn't feel comfortable enough to break late enough. And it just, he wasn't able to get past. Yeah. And on every, every lap where it showed in car from Lewis, you could see Gasly lurch forward it, you know, figuratively, you know, or relatively rather to, to Lewis, because Lewis just was just breaking that point one or whatever of a second earlier, which meant that he was never getting by. Lap 41 and Lewis has to let Max pass him. As soon as it happened, they point the camera right into Toto's face and he looks absolutely pissed off. And Martin, I mean, you you really could tell he, he was not doing a very good job of hiding it. Yeah, I mean, he was putting on his best poker face. He was just, yeah, sitting as still and as silent as he could. But yeah, not not a good day in the office. And, you know, mate, credit to him. They, they all, he all owned up to it at the end as well. And apologies all round from him to everybody else. We must do better. But yeah, it must have been a terrible feeling for Toto. For Hamilton, he's been so dominant for so many years on the internet now. You can see all these stats. Oh, it's been 15 years since this, 18 years since that. That you know these kinds of uh, races happen to Hamilton. It's uh, certainly uncharted territory, like Nick was saying before, for Hamilton and Mercedes. Um, we didn't really have much overtaking once the DRS was on, which was strange. Um, Yuki had a nice little pass on Kevin Magnuson to get up into eighth place. He had a really great race. I was really surprised with, with how Yuki was able to do in this race. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Obviously Verstappen won, but if you look at the, like the two or three guys who really had strong races, Yuki'd be one of them. We talked about Albon and then Bottas obviously, um, has done very, very well in that, in that alpha. So um, yeah, fair play to Yuki. Had a really strong race. I, I think that he's had a few subpar races, as I think we've talked about on, on prior episodes. But really strong showing by Yuki this week, and uh, you know I think outperforming Pierre Gasly across the board. I think, and you know hopefully whatever maybe slump he was in, he can come out of because he showed himself to be a really good driver this weekend. Yeah, he certainly did. And then a couple at laps later, Martin, Charles, we were kind of thinking maybe this will happen, maybe not. But Charles goes into the pits after saying that they're going to stay out, goes on the softs, and then the Red Bulls follow suit. Definitely an interesting choice. At the time, I thought he was going for fastest lap. I thought he was going for the extra point for fastest lap. But as it turned out, yeah, it, it, it put him right right behind Checo. Definitely a, a, a gamble that they were they were making there to try and get second place. It's really hard to look look past what actually happened now and come up with you know what you think was the right decision. He's got a massive lead in the championship. You know, should you just take third and say thank you very much and and move on, or go for second? You know, race drivers are known for for gambling, and when there's a gap, they they go for it, and when there's an opportunity, they try and take it. So it's hard to fault him, but then of course. Um, you know, he did get up to, I think he was over two seconds behind Checo before, uh, once all the pitting came, was complete and he was close, to, within a second, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's very close. The thing that has me a little confused about the situation is this was, what, 12, 13 laps before the end. If you're pitting him, then you know that Red Bull 
then have a free pit stop. So of course, Red Bull are going to pit and cover so that they then aren't in the position where, you know, say their tires start going off and they start slowing down and giving an opportunity to come up. They still had a clear pit stop ahead of Charles to cover and then it neutralizes the advantage because, you know, Charles says, oh, okay, I'm going to go for fastest lap, but then they're on the same tires as Verstappen and Checo and then it's up to whomever can actually get the fastest lap in. You know, I don't understand why they didn't just kind of stay put, try and make further inroads into Checo, try and pass him on the track. And if he make, made it into second, then great. You come in with two laps to go and then go for the fastest lap, right? To take the point away. But by doing it when they did, I don't, I don't know who made that call, but it was the wrong call from a strategy perspective and turned out to be a fateful call for the sake of Charles Leclerc's race and his championship lead. I, I think I heard recently, Martin, doesn't Ferrari kind of have a history of messing up on their strategy in recent years, or am I wrong in that? I mean, maybe. My my brain goes all the way back to the, the masterclass of strategies that you used to get from like Ross Braun when he was managing uh, Ferrari with, with Schumacher, and they were the creme de la creme of knowing what to do and when to pit. I mean, recently, Ferrari... Maybe they've been gambling more, much like uh, Nick alluded to before. They haven't; they're not used to being at the very front, um, so they've taken more chances. Uh, but now they've got to change their mentality a little bit, protect what they've got versus trying to get get more. I don't know. Uh, they'll certainly learn from this. I think everybody was pretty magnanimous towards towards the end, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think that also it was from a timing perspective. The fact that they that there was in car with Charles Leclerc when he spun off, when he took too much curb, and you could see he'd taken too much curb, and he lost it. I think that's the first time we've ever seen such a you know such an important incident like that from in car at the time. I can't think of another case of it. You know, especially because you could see how he was gaining, and obviously I was wanting Charles to pass Checo, and so you were in the car with him when it all went wrong. And that was, yeah, that was really cool. You know, you got the real first-hand perspective of the incident as it happened rather than being out of the car looking in. Yeah, that was that was a great angle to see that happen. And so we saw afterwards that he did damage his wing at least a little bit. It looked like it was potentially not going to affect the race all that much, but they still changed the wing, right, didn't they? Like, it looked like they might be able to stay on. It was just the edge that had gotten knocked off. Um, I thought it was maybe kind of strange that they so quickly brought him in to pit and and change the wing. Yeah, I think that it might be a little bit because of the unknown based on all the rule changes. Now, obviously, in the prior generation car, you've seen the end plates of of the wing get knocked off and really have very little impact. I don't think they've really done any running with with a severely damaged front wing. Were they concerned that it was going to fall even further back or lose traction entirely and stuff it into the barriers? I don't know. But it felt like at that stage in the race, with only a few laps left, it felt a bit of a an overly conservative call to bring him in, if you ask me. And where did he actually finish in the end? Was it eighth? Was it seventh? Sixth place. So he, when he when he spun out, he was in ninth, I believe, when it was finally all said and done. Um, but yeah, he ended up in right. six at the end. Yeah, he kind of got back to maybe where he would have been, but maybe you know there was a, a big gap back to Lando and a big gap back to well, Lando got by him after he spun, but there's a big gap back to George behind. And then, and then Bottas. So some strange calls from the Ferrari pit wall in this one, I think. But it did benefit 
Lando and George. So Lando was able to move up into a posi- into a podium position, and George right behind him. I mean, it was great. Oh, Lando! Lando was racing. I don't think we mentioned him at all. Was he on the Was he on the track? I, don't, I mean, he had the probably the loneliest race. I don't know what he was doing out there. He was just going round and round and round. And Lando did have a really, really great start. Oh yeah, he did. He did. And he, I mean, yeah, he got he got over. He was in there. He got overtaken by by Charles at that one pit stop and stuff like that. So he, he showed up a bit, but a bit of a lonely race, and he could have lucked into third a little bit. But what a leap forward from. From, from the beginnings in Bahrain to today, suddenly McLaren looked like the team that we thought they were going to be at the start of the season. So that's that's good, I think. Good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're a land, if you're yeah, a fan. <laughs> so at this point, there's really not much else that goes on in the race. Really, the last overtake is Charles when he gets up into sixth place, and that's the second to last lap of the race. We get Max and Checo on the top two spots and Lando in third place. Um, I mean, you've got to put Red Bull as one of the winners of the race, right, Martin? Just a dominant weekend all around, right? I mean, Max took everything that was available. Checo picked up pretty much everything else behind him. Then they missed out on a couple of points there um, in the sprint race. So, yeah, they're definitely back. And all the Red Bull-powered cars finished for the first time this season. So I don't know if they've something's changed or if they've just adjusted the engine settings or whatever that is but you know we're not talking about reliability and things like that anymore or at least this race so things are coming back around it's going to be a long season it's going to be exciting still still a lot of racing to go way to go yeah and i didn't realize this until i saw it in our our notes because it feels like it shouldn't have been this long but it's the first Red Bull 1-2 since Malaysia of 2016. Yeah, crazy. And so you think back yep. to, you know, that was Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen, right? And you think of the second drivers and, and the, the struggles that Red Bull have had to get someone in that second seat who can really do the job to support Max. Then you think, wow, that's it's taken a while to get to this. Yeah, and unfortunately, Martin, on the flip side, you have Red Bull as the winners. I think you got to put Ferrari and the Tafasi as the losers in this one. <laughs> yeah, not not great. I mean, as Nick said, you got if you got two strong drivers out there, it's very hard hard to beat. You know, both Bottas and Hamilton uh, have proven that over the years uh, as well. So. Carlos has got to get out there. He's been unlucky the last two races. There's plenty of time to write the ship. I'm not. <laughs> you ch- let's look at the driver standing. Charles Leclerc is still leading the championship. So, by not, quite a bit. Let's not let's not crown <laughs> let's not crown Max just yet. So Nick, another big winners are the young British drivers this weekend, and they dominated their teammates. I have them as the winners and their teammates as the losers. I mean. Lando, George, and I even lump Albon in in with these three. They all far exceeded what their teammates, Lewis, Danny, and Latifi did. Um, it, it's pretty shocking how how well those three are doing at such an, such a young age already. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're all like 24 years old, Charles, as well as Lando, and I'm not quite sure how old Alex Albon is, but I think George is 24 as well, really prized, primed for a good strong run of years where these the guys who are going to be battling in in the top teams for race wins and for, for championships as long as they can give them the cars to do it right they're all in they're in different teams and um provided that a bit of stability in the rules can kind of 
get the cars a little clo- a little bit closer together, we're in for a really really exciting time in Formula One. Obviously, George did really well, and he he's been outperforming the car as he has been all season. Versus Lewis, who struggled, and I think that you know maybe the fact that George has come from Williams, where he's never really had a fully sorted car underneath him, and so he's learned over the past three years to drive a car that doesn't work particularly well for him and extract the most from it. Whereas Lewis has obviously had the most planted car for the last eight years, and he's just used to a car doing exactly what he wants it to and not being able to drive around some of the issues. So tough times for Lewis, and George is really showing his worth as the second driver in that team right now. It was really impressive from all those guys. I'm still shocked that Aston Martin was able to get two cars in the points this weekend. I, I mean, Martin, I did not see that coming at all. It was an early retirement, I think, for Vettel. Only Vettel's second race, right? And it was an early retirement for him from the, in the last race. So maybe this is the first time he got a chance to show his pace. And again, good to see some of the teams uh, improving, coming back in, making themselves relevant. But at the same time, other teams dropping away, right? Alpine had a good start to the season and already now they're starting to struggle. Things are moving around, things are shifting. So, I mean, we love love a little bit of uncertainty. We've had so many years of just one car or one team uh, dominating at the front. And then other, I mean, other teams are always fighting out in the midfield, but there's always an opportunity for somebody to to pop up and and make make a play. So... I think it's good. I think talking about, you know, people scoring points, it's only, is it only Mick Schumacher? Does anybody else not have any points? Latifi. Oh yeah. So Latifi and Schumacher are the only, only drivers without points so far. So is the pressure going to start to come on to, to Mick? You know, he's got a lot of goodwill to spend, especially with his last name, but will people start looking at him in three, four, five races? If he still is pointless and hasn't produced something, Maybe questions will be asked of him. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, it's good to see a lot of people get being able to score points. I think it's good for the sport. In the next race, we're going to the U.S. in Miami. I mean, we obviously don't have many expectations for the race itself. I mean, we've seen the track, but we don't know how the cars are going to do around it, but there's a lot of buzz around this race. Who knows what it will be? Yeah, I mean, Miami's got a reputation. It's it's hot. It's a party town. Um, there, there's lots to do. Um, it's going to be uh, a hot ticket uh, for sure uh, for the people there. Uh, they've built a brand new track. It's all running all around the football stadium down there. We'll see how it how it holds up. Um, I don't I, I don't know it that well. How many? What's the what's the layout as far as like DRS zones and 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 braking zones? Do you guys I know? Have no idea. I, have, I haven't seen I haven't anything at all on that. I've not. I don't really know the the layout. I think that's one. That's part of our research for for the next episode, right? Um, yeah. But I did see that the the new marina is coming on nicely. <laughs> the the man. Have you seen the man made marina in the parking lot of the? Hard Rock Stadium. No. They've got they've got yachts in there already. I don't know if they're putting. They better be putting water in because otherwise it'd look silly. But um, I guess well we have races on land where there used to be water, so maybe having water temporarily in the space where land is so that people can sit on yachts and watch the race. Mm, interesting. Um, will be interesting.
Thanks again for listening to the Undercuts review episode of the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix at Imola. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show as it helps us move up the charts so more people can hear us. We'll see you guys next time.